I always remember you as Sophie Pop-Tart, and I don't know why. I think it was, like, how I read it when it was on Slack or something. So in my brain, you're forever Sophie Pop-Tart. That's amazing. I had no idea. <laughs> I will remember that forever. This is the National Nash Dance Podcast. Tell us who you are. I'm Sophie. What else do you want to know? What do you do? Um, I'm a programmer. <gasps> Isn't that why you invited me? Surprise. We're, I know. We, we actually just invited you because we like your name, but we oh. got lucky. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a programmer. I work on backend stuff at Eventbrite. I've been there about a year and a half. It's pretty fun. I work with money. It's scary, but really fun. Yeah, that's always scary. Like, <laughs> to the degree that like stuff that you do touches the real world. Yeah, and if we mess up, somebody like doesn't get their money, and then they're mm-hmm. really, really angry. So it's really not fun to mess up and my world of code. So how did you get into programming? Funny, I've been a programmer like professionally for a year and a half. I wrote my first program when I was like 10. Um, I was like a math person and my parents got my math teacher's daughter to like do some enrichment with me when I was 10 and bored in math class. And we, I wrote like a program in basic then. And I didn't really catch the programming bug. I just like did a whole bunch of math stuff. and. Um, my dad kept giving me programming books because he wanted me to be a programmer, but I like put them to the side and said, no, you don't get to tell me what to do. I'm going to go be a math professor. And then I took some math. Then I went to college and took some programming classes and loved them. But like I was going to be a math professor. And then I stopped liking my math professors as people and thought that they didn't have any interest in anything, but like making more math professors. And I had other interests in life. So I didn't go be a math professor and instead I went to be a teacher for a while but I sucked at that so um, after some years in the classroom of like not being good at wrangling lots and lots of children um, I talked to my husband a lot about like what should I do and I don't know even how he said what about programming and then I started sort of tinkering and programming and that was like three or four years ago and I tinkered with it on the side for a year And then I spent a summer at this awesome place in New York called the Recurse Center, where I just like sat in a room with lots of other awesome programmers and wrote programs and did whatever I wanted to do to become a better programmer. Um, And then I came back to Nashville and got a job. It was the best. Really great people. Really fantastic environment. I still talk to those people all the time. It's a contrast between what you were talking about in in your math PC program and and Recurse Center. Recurse Center is just kind of a special magical place. Everybody I've ever talked to has been associated <laughs> with it says that. Yeah, pretty uh, much. I can't think of a place to go and just program what you want not being magical. Like, yeah. I feel like it has sure. to be magical. Well, right. So, like, it would be magical if it was just you programming whatever you want, but you're in a room filled with other programmers who are also doing the same thing. It's, like, exponentially more magical. And, like, the admissions process is really set to select for niceness and, like, goodness and curiosity so basically there's just like no jerks in the room and it's just all people who kind of want to help each other and learn together and you know a whole room full of people who think it's awesome when you're like I found this really really weird bug and it's the best thing ever (laughs) (laughs) and it's like a whole room full of people being like um I found this bug does anybody want to help me figure it out that's cool uh, so do they only accept new learners or is there like... No, actually the vast majority of people there aren't new. It Like they, do, they don't want... You, you need to have been like programming on your own for long enough to know that you would really like to do it for three months on your own mm-hmm. and sort of have experience that shows them that you're going to succeed in that environment and they don't really think that people who are like brand, brand new to programming are going to be quite as successful. So... Um, I'd say the balance of people is about a third newish programmers and two third people who like have had a job or two and sort of see it as an opportunity for a sabbatical. So they like take time off of work and go sit in at the recurse center for three months or you can also do it for like half of the three month period. So six weeks and sort of take that as a sabbatical between jobs or take a break from their job and go back to it. It needs to exist for nine more years because I'd love to go, but my kids aren't 18 until... A friend of mine actually went... She has two kids. A friend of mine from the Rooker Center was there with me, left her kids behind for the three months in San Francisco with her ex, and 
went to New York for the three months. And mm. uh, if you want to talk to her, I will hook you up because she can tell you about the experience. It was hard, but yeah, she did so it. Hard. Well, mine are teenish, so sometimes it's not so hard with teens, but I don't think that they'd let me yeah. get away for that long. If I don't come, like on Wednesday nights, I'm here recording until yeah. later, and then I have a class after this and there. You have a class? What yeah. class are you taking? So I do ceramics as my, like, sanity. Nice. Um, and so um, I go to Vanderbilt and take... Uh, who's uh, your teacher? I love Sandy Ceramics. I took a class or two there before I had kids. David. Ah, David's great. Yeah. So um, so that's just kind of like my not technology-related way to... I call it playing with mud. And I'm not the greatest at it. Like, you know, there's people that are making these super fancy anything and i'm like if i squeeze this too hard it goes like this really weirdly <laughs> you know and so um, mine are kind of ugly but it helps with the sanity so it serves its purpose the curse center has interesting rules so are you talking about the social rules yeah oh yeah doesn't it have the rule that you can't say well actually it totally does so there's four social rules at the recurse center and i think they're like part of what makes the space really great let's see if i remember them all um one is no, well, actually, and that is what it says. They're not. I'm not putting them in order. Another one, this one's really interesting, is no backseat driving. This is like where people are having a conversation across the table from you, and you sort of like interject yourself into it, and you're like, um, you, you, you inject yourself into the conversation without being a full participant. Um, so no doing that. Um, one is no subtle isms. That's the last one. That's like sexism racism and if somebody says like what you said was kind of sexist the the rule is like okay you nod smile and say i'm sorry and move on with your life so there's not a lot of time spent debating what is or isn't an ism an ism and that's actually the reason for it is more about not wanting those things to be distractions in the space so that people can focus on programming so it's not necessarily about saying like these aren't topics that should be important to people um, and it's more that like having long conversations about what is and isn't sexist is like not constructive to spending your time programming. And so that's um, the fourth social rule. And I'm forgetting one. And let's there's see. One that I, th I think there's one that's, um, uh, you know, a couple seconds ago I knew it. Uh. So can I ask, since we're already on mm -hmm. the sexism topic, yeah. as a programmer, have you had any experience in um, your programming journey where you're like oh man this is is so incredibly sexist or has that been an issue in any way shape or form it's funny I feel like I haven't really experienced it personally I know lots and lots of people who have and it hasn't affected me in a major way you know every once in a while people say things that don't bother me that much like the guys or whatever right. which is is guys gender neutral maybe maybe not is it the thing i want to spend my time fighting not really um so you know even in high school i remember we would have math competitions and they would have like a prize for being the best girl in the state at math and I hated that prize because I was like there's no reason for a special prize for girls um so I I resented I, I won that prize but I really resented it um and so I I like felt like I was in a field where the com the playing field should be equal and I wanted to be treated like the playing field was equal and I didn't want to feel like I was getting any affirmative action because I was this underrepresented minority um, in the field. And I think that that really colored my experience in a lot of ways that, um, it's interesting. Actually, I saw this discussed publicly about the Rutgers Center's admissions policy. They have a pretty good representation of women among the people who are there, but the way they accomplish that is they basically try to get as gender balanced of an applicant pool as possible. And they don't do any sort of gender weighting in the admissions process. And the, um, applications are, and anonymized so obviously in the interview process you you know about the gender of the person you're interviewing but in the application process the person reading the application doesn't know anything about that yeah i've done i've done conferences that way where or i've done like i said conferences that's how pi tennessee works is that, yeah 
Um, I think aside from keynote, keynote selection is totally different. Keynote right, selection that's is, its own is, ball game. That's Jason's. <laughs> Jason Myers, picks yeah. Keynotes. But the yeah, rest is not. But the, I, oh, speaking of gender, though, I think one w- area that I do see this, and I see sort of myself like guided in a certain way, is like for example, when I my the topic I chose for my keynote for for Pi Ten, like I thought about different topics and. I very much felt like I had to give a hard topic and not a soft topic because I didn't want to be the like, I didn't want to sort of propagate the myth that like female programmers talk about the soft side of programming. So I like a little bit had this sort of let's buck the stereotype by talking about operating systems because I'm a woman. And so I definitely end up being sort of motivated to try to do the things that people tend to not think of as the the girl topics because of stereotypes so it's like reverse yeah motivation yeah yeah exactly i'm trying to think like that that's like that it's hacker school social rules kind of rhymes and like it feels like just comes right off the top Uh so um so i will say be saying that forever Uh, i think the other recursive rule is no feigned surprise oh yeah be like you don't know about meta x control x butterfly like you can't you're not Supposed to yes, that's the one. Say that. That's um, it. That's a good one. And I, one of the reasons I really like that list is because I remember the first time I read it, that at least two, like maybe three of the things I was like, oh, I've totally done that. Like <laughs> I've totally done that to people. Um, I had even like one of the examples in there. I think it actually did have something to do with Emacs, and I had actually done that to somebody like on the subject of Emacs. Um, like, wow. I mean, it just felt like this really is like. A collection of unobvious things that that people of goodwill can do to be better toward each other. One so. of those rules, I totally like the one where you don't third party backseat interject. Oh, I gosh. do that on I was a regular basis. Corey does that all the time. <laughs> 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 no, but like if I'm at my computer working and there are people that are discussing like some issue they're having with a thing. Uh, I am very apt to be like, "Yo, look in this database at this thing." It could be there, or maybe try doing I mean, this like, step. Where it, that's not. It's so like bad. actually the way I normally engage in conversation. It's like my strategy for yeah, talking yeah. to new people is like over listen, listen to the conversation they're having and try to say something intelligent into it. It's a little bit different, I think, because I think it 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 gives room for becoming a participant in the conversation. But there's definitely a world in which I sort of like hop from dyad to dyad, being like, oh. But I have a thing to say, too. So I think that there's a constructive way of doing that, which is like, oh, hey, I ran into that problem. Maybe try this Um, is different than being like, you should do the thing. Well, no, and then I mean, going it, back into yeah. your if, if 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 you're interrupting their train of thought to tell them the answer, that's bad, yeah. right? Especially if like they're working through something on their own that is like the point of them being there. For sure, and I think, you know, it's interesting because. I think especially the first three rules, though not not the isms one, the isms one is its own sort of, you know, universe. But I think the first three rules are like really good ways of making concrete sort of behaviors that sort of get in the way of people learning things on their own and get in the way of people feeling good about learning things on their own and making mistakes. Um, and it, I think, you know, the process of coming up with those rules, I think, is really awesome in the way it concretizes those into specific behaviors as opposed to just like sort of a general rule that says like don't be a jerk right who do you know who came up with those um they came people came up with them over time i think they i i don't remember the exact story but i think at least some of them were sort of rules that were solidified i know at least one of them was like the three people who founded or cursed under together like realized they were doing this to each other all the time and then they made it a rule that they shouldn't i wish that stack overflow would discover the no well actually yeah, Stack I feel Over- like that's like the land of <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> that's like what you do on Stack Overflow. Is you're uh, like, well, actually, here's this magical way to do things. I find Stack Overflow supremely unhelpful most of the time. Actually, you know, there are people that are like that's their go-to, and I feel like it's so confusing to try to read like the comments and then the comments on the comments and the. I would much prefer like some nice linear documentation. And well, I often find it's also overly specific. So it's because it, it's, it gives you a really, really specific answer to whatever question you've gone for. Inevitably, the question that I have is like slightly different enough from the question that the person who asked it was that the answers require several steps of inference to get mm-hmm. from what they said to a 
solution to my problem. And I probably would have been better off, especially because I usually go to Stack Overflow for like weird language things or weird bash scripting things, sort of working on improving my skills so that I have the toolbox rather than like having a specific magical incantation from Stack Overflow that solves my current problem. It's helpful to have like an expert that I can ask like at work to say, right. hey, you know, person who's been working in this for 25 years, I have this. I think it's close to the right thing, but there's something wrong because I'm getting this unexpected output. Can you explain to me what's wrong? That's much more helpful than Stack Overflow. I really love having coworkers for exactly that reason, because I can just be like, please teach me all the things you know. I think that someday I'll be okay working from home because I like to not leave my house. Right. But for now, <laughs> my favorite thing is just asking everybody all the questions and not necessarily the things that you can Google, because I feel like there's a limitation. You know, if it's an in-house problem or a specific way that you're doing something or where whatever data gets set, you can't you can't just like. Oh, yeah. I have this thing where I ask somebody a question and I realize, oh, I'm wasting this person's time. I could have Googled that. Like, I, <laughs> I try to like mentally have a check before <laughs> I ask something like, is this a thing it that I can Google right or not? Mouth. Sometimes I actually, my strategy is to like type the question out in Slack yes. and then edit myself and be like, wait a second. If I, now that I've written the question, I, I know what to Google and then I'll Google yeah. it or search the docs and I'll sort of start to answer the question for myself. And then I can ask a question that says, look, I've spent some time thinking about this. Yeah. I'm not just asking you because I'm lazy. And then I can sort of go with more context. Also, I one habit that I'm like really in the habit of is being like, no, I already know that. I know that too. No, this is what I don't know. Right. Yes. I hate it when somebody answers my question with a whole bunch of stuff that I already yeah, know. Here's the things That's you the know. other thing that happens on Stack Overflow all the time. You'll ask a very specific question, and the answer will be like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be, you know, doing X instead. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I have a really good reason. Just trust me. But I am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's rubber ducking. Yes. Yeah, and so, so my last job... I had this magical occurrence where every single time I had a question that I my my boss was like was super smart. She was like terrifyingly brilliant and I finally that when I'm asking somebody who's terrifyingly brilliant a question I want to be like as organized. So I would write this like thesis <laughs> with like here's all the things that I do know here's the thing that I don't know and here's how it all correlates and generally in that process of typing all of that up I'd be like never mind <laughs> <laughs> also yeah and if you can answer your own question by the process of rubber ducking it's the best yeah uh, but sometimes you can't and then it's sort of useful to have a context to ask the question of another person it's when like slack introduced the ability to slack yourself I was really happy because yeah, you can slack yourself. So I didn't know, I didn't know you could verb that. Slack me. You've I'll never slack you later. <laughs> <laughs> slack it to me. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I really liked it when they introduced that because if it's a valid question, I can then just cut and paste it and plunk it to somebody else. But sometimes, like, I don't know. I always realize the answer like as I'm hitting send. <laughs> so I don't want to like hit send with this giant embarrassingly long question and then be like oh never mind it's like when thing. you write an email that you're like not sure you want to send but you don't so you don't fill in the two I, oh I do that all the time <laughs> I guess otherwise you might accidentally send yes. something really embarrassing right. yes I do that all the time the other thing I do is like I'll delete the two feet I'll be like halfway through it and I'm like oh, okay I'm not actually going to send this <laughs> but I'm not ready to delete it yet so I'll just delete the two field yeah I don't know why it's not as effective to just have a Word document open, like just a text document where, like, I have my cheat sheet. No, but talking is, to yourself totally works. Yeah. That's, but it's like I slack to myself. I nerd talk to myself. Yeah, I mean, I I don't usually send it to myself. I usually, like, have it open in the the field of, like, the to field of the person I want to ask it to. I type it all out. And then I don't hit send. Well, so I, I know where this came from. When, there are some slacks that are set up so that if you do the little three tick marks mm -hmm. and then the code snippet uh -huh. and then the three tick marks and you hit return, um, once you've made the tick marks, some will send it. Mm -hmm. And others, you can hit return inside of those tick marks. and Shift enter. It, 
Right. So shift enter is different on different on slacks. Different slacks? Does yeah. it like, depend what? on when it was created or something? No, Do so it's a stick? setting, I think, it's a in setting. the app. Uh, yeah. Uh, um and so what kind of like what monster? Right? Like, what, what monster why does is that a this? Setting? So like when I started sending not just stupid questions, but half baked stupid questions with three tick marks at the bottom, that's when I was like, I can't I can't I can't do this. I need to like rough draft to myself and then yeah, I guess I've been rough drafting a lot more stuff recently. Like, I never used to use the notes on my computer, and now I use it all the time where, like, I'll even take, if I have a whole bunch of tests failing, I'll, like, copy and paste the output into a note and then sort of, like, manhandle them one at a time so that I, like, make sure that I've handled all of my broken tests. I have what I call my cheat sheets, which is, like, a, a, an entire directory that I try to keep organized, but, like, it's really it gets unruly really yeah, quick. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, like I have my database directory that has all like the weird queries that I've figured out once and I'm like, don't want to ever do that again. So let yeah. me put that there. And, um, you know, like I have one called Notes from Gene because it was a project that I was going to be on from somebody who was going to another project. And, you know, so like there will be a couple of of uh, notes from past self to future self sprinkled in there that come in handy down the road. Everything starts out with me. Everything starts out with notes to myself. And yeah. I like, I I make markdown files on my computer just full. Of but garbage. you do it in markdown. That's like. Well, I don't know why exactly, except that I can paste it into a gist. That's it. I always do it in markdown because I think that there will come a day that I will put it in a repository and have like this beautiful document <laughs> that I can like shed a single tear over. Right. Yeah. And it. Never gets that way, and usually by the time that I have enough information that that would be relevant, it's like so beastly that there's mm. no way I'm showing that in public. It's so funny. It Mine are depends. definitely not in Markdown. They're just like using the syntax of whatever you know. They're mm. just typed in whatever Note app I'm using. Yeah. And as there are days when I feel like I'm not a real programmer, you know, because I do because I'm too lazy to, you know, <laughs> learn the programming <laughs> mechanism for doing a thing. So there are lots of ways in which I'm like, yeah, I'm totally just going to use the built-in application for this. I don't need to engineer a solution. It's like already been solved. I know. If only they could solve tab abuse because I feel like being able to open windows and then abuse tabs more, and then I get to that point where I'm uh -huh. like, oh, there's too many tabs, I can't function, and then so I open another window. So <laughs> instead of like solving for that, I've created a meta tab abuse problem. <laughs> like, if you looked in my you, cheat sheet right this squared. second, you're you like, would be horrified. I have two, like I have it so that there's uh, two panes, and each pane has an agonizingly large quantity. You can't even read what's on the tabs. It's just a bunch of tabs. You can't even see whether I've saved them or not. Like, you know how sometimes it has the circle when it's unsaved yep. and the X when it's saved? Yeah, you can't even see that. There's too many. And most of them I would just throw away anyway. So every now and then, I kind of like it when my computer kernel Crashes panics. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then you, then sometimes it's like a mercy kill. Oh, yeah. I do that to my web browser all the time where yep. I have, like, way too many tabs open. And at a certain point, I'm like, okay, tab zero, quit, restart. Don't open all of the tabs, you know, that option <laughs> when you restart. It's like, no, I don't want to open all do of the tabs. Do not enable me. <laughs> Though I will say that, like, when I started being mindful of not having too many tabs open, I did feel myself, like, thinking more clearly. Like, saying... Oh, wow saying you know what i don't need to be trying to do 15 things at once because i can't so i'm not going to try so i like to dig into like the the bugs that like rend your soul and make you kind of hate life for a little while like sure. that's my favorite because i'm a little seomesochistic sometimes mm -hmm. and so i think my tab abuse problem comes because like in the exploratory process you have to have like I don't know, six terminal windows open because they each have different, you know, logs mm -hmm. in them and yeah. or different databases, with different queries. Yeah, and right. so, like, I have, like, stacks of them. And it's, like, my trail, my little breadcrumb trail. So I can be like, oh, wait, I know that, like, 12 tabs back or so. Uh, <laughs> and I can go back and be like, it, it, it happened early in the process, so it's on the left-hand side of things. Or it wasn't too long ago, so it's probably writer-ish. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I use Google Docs for a lot of that kind of researchy 
gnarly bug stuff. And then I sometimes clean through my Google Docs. I'm like, okay, I'm done with that. And then I try to sort of scrape what was useful and throw away the, the garbage. The cruft. Um, it, it's interesting. One thing I really like about Slack is like the searchable Slack history versus say like Facebook or even Google Docs where you really can't search. And so I like that, you know, at work we have all sorts of public helping conversations because one of the first things I always do is sort of search Slack history to see if somebody else has asked my question um, or at least sort of pointed in a direction right. that I can follow. That's really funny. I'm not on any Slacks that, that, that are not. 10,000? Yeah, the 10,000 message thing. Oh, uh, so, yeah. That can so also be a verb. It's the opposite for me. What? It what? got it got 10,000 did. It got 10,000 did. Be like, hey, could you send me that link again? It got 10,000 did. Yeah, but that doesn't convey the like the falling off a cliff quality of it. That like I I I I, I it's, it's a, in my mind what happens is it it kind of it's on it's like all the messages are floating on a river, and they just like it's a very gently moving stream, and they go through this curtain of mist, and then they go over like a waterfall that's on the edge of the earth, and they they're gone forever. You know the earth is round. It's spherical. All right. <laughs> okay. Technically, <laughs> but if you go far enough, you will fall off and die. Right. Only if you, like, go in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, work slack is not, is, is not free Stiff slack. Back. So there's, like, infi- you know, there's history back to when, since work has had slack. Right, yeah. And slack rents from Eventbrite. So we go way back with slack. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, they sublet from us in San Francisco. Yeah, it's just funny how the, the exact same tool can be like completely the opposite. It's either I've got to get this out of Slack because <laughs> it's going to go away forever versus like, oh, that's fine. It's in Slack. It's yeah. saved forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I totally use it differently based on whether it has the 10,000 ding ability or. Yeah. yeah, I've mostly, it's interesting. I pretty much these days only use Slack for work. Like I have a limit to how many different sort of social universes I can be a part of and for better or for worse, like between work and the recurse center like which uses zulip instead of slack so um it's like open source slack um but a little bit better in some ways anyway um i don't end up participating in nashdev slack as much as i did before i had a job (laughs) and um so i don't ever use the i i rarely run into the ten thousand message history problem it's like my entire social life well, plus this podcast, right? It's all organized on, on right, the National Slack. But, oh, so that's the worst because we'll why, have to preview them. That's why this podcast them. is so bad. Is yeah. because, we'll have um, to preview them and the links disappear. Did. And then you have this moment where you're like, do I admit my shame that it's taken me this long <laughs> right, to, to go preview? actually click the link? Right. <laughs> or do I just thumbs up it and not actually know what I'm thumbs upping? So oh, there's like man. this moral crisis of, you know, just... And, yeah, it's bad. You know, there's this thing called email. Yeah. <laughs> Nash Dev Podcast. Nash Dev been- Podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, IBM API Connect. <laughs> Nash Dev Podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, IBM API Connect. IBM API Connect is a modern API management solution that will get your APIs up running quickly so you can focus on your app. Oh, and one more thing. If you would like to sponsor the show, please visit nashdfcast.com slash sponsor. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> my email, that's one of those things. My inbox has like thousands and thousands of mails that I have not opened. Yeah. Every once in a while I go on an inbox purge and I yeah, feel so good about too. myself for like five seconds. I knew that I could just nuke the whole thing and not notice because I don't use it because it's so full of right. crap that I'm avoiding. Mm-hmm. But like, I what, never do. What happened here? Like it feels like email. So was there ever a core? Was there ever a time when email worked for you? Like Yeah. So I have this shameful habit. I have like five emails. And I have uh, the one that I give to everything. Yes. Or use on like services. And that's uh. the one that has thousands of messages and I just can't deal with because it's just too much. Um, and then I have email. I have like work email and that's always up to date and, you know, might have like two or three unread messages in it, but it's never going to get into double or triple digits, much less yeah, okay. six digits. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I know I know exactly when notifications top out on a lot of mobile apps, 
like Wonderlist. Have you ever heard of Wonderlist? Oh. You know, like you get yeah. it's a to do app. Um, you can have 500 on red notifications and, and then it's like, no more, you're a lost cause. Um, so I know when the last cause point is for all these apps, <laughs> but I feel like it's just that it's the onslaught of it. You know, like I, I need to know that I'm only gonna like, so I have one email address that I only give out when I absolutely need to know this needs to be read. Um, that's smart. It's so funny. I've had my Gmail for so long that like. I, it, it just sort of became obvious that it was going to get used for everything. And it's already, like, been unleashed in too many places, for, I feel like, for me to really rein it in and say, like, no, I want my personal email address to be, like, sacred in that way. Um, but it's interesting. I feel like, is it Cal Newport? Do either of you guys ever read Cal Newport's stuff? No. He's a professor of computer science, but he, like obsesses about sort of work habits and he's written some interesting things about email where he talks about like the the crisis of email and he like really sort of changed the way he uses email and barely uses it at all he wrote a book called deep work which i haven't read but i've read some of the blog posts about it it's it's interesting stuff and he's like basically sort of all about eliminating sort of the world of you know a barrage of emails and a barrage of conversations that just keep interrupting you from what you're doing. I don't know how he can be in academia and opt out of emails. My my spouse has, uh, she's uh, a professor at Vanderbilt and like it's like this constant if she does not check her email for even like a seven hour period of time, her inbox is like blown up beyond a reasonable proportion. Yeah. I for- like they email for everything. Yeah, I think he he talks about like working on this as organizations that like organizations sort of have to commit themselves to saying, wait a second, there are things that email is useful for, but like there are things where actually having a conversation would solve the problem faster than email and faster and better and not sort of create this unnecessary trail of communication um, that sort of drags on and on and on. Yeah, I think it would definitely have to be on the organizational level. But I, I, although although <laughs> the place where this is where I work, um, the 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 thing is we have like lots of communication channels, and so every time something new comes out, like I think Slack, for example, was kind of developed as kind of the antidote to email, right? right. Um, so so when Slack came along, um, my organization was like, oh yeah, let's have a Slack. We'll try that. So now there's fourteen, you know, things that to keep track of, and and they just continue growing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Slack sort of solves the problem of, like, group emails, sort of, you know, email is threaded in a particular way and sort of useful in its being, like, asynchronous and all that. But, like, w- once you start dealing with reply all, Lord, you know, Lord have mercy. Yeah. And so I think Slack really helps for that. Um, but, again, it's just, like, there's so m- so much to keep track of and it's just so many interruptions. And... I've been trying to minimize those. I'm trying to figure out how to calendar appropriately because along with my five emails, I've got five different calendars and I'll, I'll be like, Oh, I'll hook this one to my phone. And so some of my appointments go onto (laughs) one and then invites come through another email and I'm like, Oh, I'll add that to my calendar. And so then when I'm trying to make an appointment or something, I'm like, hold on, I need to look through five calendars to see if I have that time available. I feel like with my calendaring, it's like I'm pretty good about being on. T- I feel like I can be on top of one set of my my responsibilities in life ever. So it's like I'm on top of work and that's sort of where I've chosen to be on top of things. But as a result, I'm like dropping the ball at home all the time because it's like I can manage to keep track of all of my work deadlines. <laughs> but like work deadlines and home deadlines, forget about it. Right. And I have not solved this problem. You have yet. a baby, though. Right. So how, how well. I mean, the baby, the baby's, the baby's really good at screaming at me. That's right. So They're I so never, good at that. <laughs> so I never like, I, I never drop the ball because the baby's needs are so immediate. Mm-hmm. It's not like a thing that you plan for. It's like right, but you can blame that baby for dropping all the other balls. I could. It's true. It's like that's a valid. I mean, that's a valid excuse. I do that sometimes. <laughs> it's like, why are there burp claws all over the house? <laughs> There's a baby. Fits <laughs> up everywhere. But I think you're right. Like I can keep my work calendar appointments all of that together but it's like the one place that i've picked yeah i'm trying to be good about the community stuff that i do and trying to be more reliable but i've had to learn how to say 
I'm all full right now. I can't do more. Yeah. Um, because I have this habit of like wanting to say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do yeah. that. I'll be on that. I'll. I'm definitely in the, like, I used to do that all the time. And my response to not be, to feeling like I wasn't fulfilling my commitments that I had made because I made too many was to like stop doing any of them <laughs> and blame it on my baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Can I stop doing them and blame them on your baby? <laughs> sure. <laughs> my babies are too old too. to blame that on. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I mean, I think that's at some point you do have to have like a point where you step back from things and say, I'm at my limit. I am full up. I can't I can't juggle any more balls. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like in my talk when I was talking about, you know, the operating system, the operating system is sort of like the expert multitasker, but it has rules uh, that it always follows for, you know, handling all of the different tasks that it's supposed to complete you know, sometimes it can't and then it overloads and tells you it's overloaded um but the like the keeping track of stuff it has like a consistent set of rules for how to keep track of what all of the things are it's like and before it, you know one of the rule, things that the operating system does is whenever it context which is it has to change state and it's context switching all the time because it wants to trick you into thinking that, that what, just running at once. That everything is running at the same time. But but one of the things it has to do because of that is like it always has to say, okay, here's the value of all of these variables right now. Here's where the stack is. Here's the heap. Like all of that has to get saved all the time. And I feel like we as humans, when we get interrupted by something, we forget to save state because you get interrupted and your brain goes away as opposed to having a set of rules where like when you get interrupted, you put all the things away, you get interrupted, you run away and then everything is a mess. Yeah. And you come back to it later, you contact switch back to the thing and you just basically have to laboriously recreate yeah. your state of mind. Yeah. No, that happens all the time. And I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, oh yeah, I was like nodding along when you got to that part in your Pi Tennessee talk. I just like now thinking back, I don't I don't think my behavior has changed at all. I think like <laughs> every time I get interrupted, I've just it's it's like before I even know what has happened to me, like all my state is lost. Well, right. I mean, and that's why you have these people who are sort of focused on mentalities of work. And this is, I think, like what Cal Newport really talks about is like you have to actually sort of, you know, have like blinders on from the interruptions because otherwise, you know, we're we're made to like, f you know, fight or flight. You know, your your stress response, your human response is to, like, direct your attention somewhere else, you know, as opposed to a computer that has, like, a set of rules that it follows to before it directs its attention somewhere else. Right. I think that could be my response. I'm sorry. I have to save my state first. I mean, like, it's totally a reasonable <laughs> right. thing to do, right? It's like, you know, it's totally reasonable to say, I'm going to be with you in two minutes. Let me just clean up my desk first and yeah. the desk can be your mental desk i remember reading somewhere that uh one of the one of the differences th there was a there was a research group that studied classrooms and they uh they studied classrooms in different countries because they just wanted to see what like what the cultural differences are um and they one of the things they would do is they would like film you know an american classroom they would find a japanese teacher and just like show them the video like what do you think and <laughs> every 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 teacher, every Japanese teacher that they, sh they showed a video of an American classroom was just like mystified at the number of interruptions. Um, that you know, like the the intercom would go off and there'd be some announcement, like just like randomly in the middle of class, or a bell would ring. Um, and I guess apparently that's that's not something that you have to do necessarily everywhere. Um, I, I, like that was really disheartening actually <laughs> reading that because I know like school was like that for me, um, and it's always disappointing to know like oh wow there's like a there's a simple way we could be better. The interruptions thing, it's so tricky. I mean, even with the emails, right? It's like when you send, you send an email when it's convenient for you and not, you know, thinking about when it's convenient for the person you're sending the email to, right? So it's like great yep. for, like email is a system that's designed for, you know, optimized for the sender rather than the receiver. But as a result, we're all sending a million emails and we all sort of fall into this trap where we feel like if we don't respond right away, we'll we'll miss something. I, I actually have removed email from my phone. Nice. Just because I can't, like, that's a level of responsibility that I am not willing to commit to. I can't handle that. Um, like, my phone is used for navigational purposes and cookie jam, and that's it. And what? Cookie jam. That can What's be your that? pick today. You can tell us all about it. Oh, yeah. It's, first it's just a matching game. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't play any games on my phone. I, I like. I don't either. I guess. I I find them super like the the puzzle <laughs> games or the rep yeah. like Sudoku or uh, yeah. 
I did so much of those when I was a kid. I used to play Minesweeper for hours. Minesweeper and Solitaire on like those old Windows 95 machines. And like Tetris on my graphing calculator. And I don't do that anymore. And it's so funny. It's like those things you think of as, I I don't know whether they were like, they were like sort of soothing distractions. But like even to have 120 seconds where you're uninterrupted to play your like giant Minesweeper game, that's a really long time period to go without being (laughs) distracted. Is that that how long it takes you to solve the giant Minesweeper games? Oh, sorry. um, I don't remember actually. I never got, I hated Minesweeper because I feel like, I had that bum luck where the first tile that I always picked <laughs> was almost always the bomb. So I, I had like a certain level of rage that was associated with it because I just never, I couldn't even start to win. I never had a chance. Yeah. And then Minesweeper kind of stinks once you start working in a world where you only have one mouse button. Um Minesweeper is like, did you know that that's actually why Minesweeper and Solitaire were created was to teach mousing skills? Yeah, because it was teaching you placing the flag as that second button click. And once upon a time, mouses only had like the one square, like when I was a kid. Um, (laughs) And so when Windows, I believe it was, was it 95? I don't know. One of the earlier Windows came out. um, And I mean, this could be totally like pulling this out of my butt but i'm pretty sure (laughs) pretty sure this isn't just bs pretty sure i read this somewhere pretty sure i read this on the internet somewhere but i read a lot and not all of the internet's true turns out Um, (laughs) we'll fact check you yeah yeah you should fact check it alternative facts over there sorry (laughs) but i'm pretty sure that they uh they put minesweeper and solitaire on computers so that you would have a motivating way to learn to click and drag um, so with nice. solitaire and yep. second mouse key for Minesweeper. Well, yeah. it worked. I'm really good at mousing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am really bad at mousing. I miss all... So I have I a neuromuscular disease, and so, like, I can't tell where my body is in space a lot of the time. So I much prefer to do keyboard shortcuts. Like, I can, like, whip through everything on my desktop with keyboard and not touch my mouse. Let me show you this. So hang on. <laughs> I love that you're telling oh them. <laughs> this is so... Annoying to me. That's so a, I have this computer. You should probably talk to your There's microphone. A, okay, so th- this is this is my this is my <laughs> this is my work computer, and all I have to do is like just like tell them that it doesn't work, and I need a new computer. But like, have you see, s- have her, you seen his space bar? So key? first yeah. of all, like, there's this like weird thing where apparently my left hand corrodes my computer. Amazing. I don't know, like, I don't know what the deal is with that. But like, the other problem is like the E key doesn't really work anymore. I'm like sitting here tapping the E key, and about once every four times I get a. Oh a, God! A, a, my a, a my D key did um, that. So so as a result, I started carrying this thing around, and I love it because. What switches? Uh, they're the Cherry. I don't really know. Cherry something X. I don't. I don't. Okay, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. It's Are they what color? They're, they're not. They're cherry. They're like red. They're cherry red. Yeah. What's the? This My mine are cherry blues, and I like wait, the like wait, crunchy wait, feeling. Wait, what? What even is? cherry red and cherry okay, so blue you guys are switches. speaking a language i don't understand <sighs> i wish i had Jason brought Myers my mechanical keyboard Th- this is a this is a mechanical keyboard which just means that the like the keys these there's like a gel cap underneath them uh-huh. which is what makes them springy mm-hmm. but these have a spring um and so like this the mechanism is totally different and they, they when you hit them they they, they give um, feedback anyway they are also super noisy and I just kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I think um, somebody, one of my colleagues, has a mechanical keyboard, but I think we don't let him use it in the office because it's oh, too noisy. Whoa. Everybody so, in our oh, yeah, office actually, has them. It, it de- yeah, not it, everybody, but you know, lots. It, de- <laughs> it depends a lot on the keyboard too. But the deal is, like, since I have the little mechanical, it's small. It's like it doesn't like cover up my whole like laptop keyboard, right? But because that's natural a sixty percent. He's he's got a sixty percent. Just put it right here, and it, it covers up my mouse pad. Right. So now I know exactly all the places in the Mac UI where you just can't. You, there's no keyboard right, shortcut. There's, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And that sucks. Like, it's really interesting. <laughs> also, I found myself um, sort of starting to use keyboard shortcuts more when I realized, like, all of the scrolling was making my wrists hurt. Yeah. Like, if I didn't scroll and I didn't, you know, if th- you don't that mouse, action yeah. mm-hmm. of sort of scrolling caused me a lot of wrist pain. And so I stopped doing it and started using, you know, keyboard shortcuts more as I when I could. So I have a mechanical keyboarding horror story. 
Um, my, my kid also has the same disease that I have and has trouble uh, feeling the keys when there's not a lot of um, feedback. And yeah. so mechanical keyboards are great, especially with like blue switches because they, they have this like pleasing crunch. and so uh so it was a big deal it was this past weekend i was like we are gonna go to the well i guess it wasn't the weekend it was friday um i was like we're gonna go to the mechanical keyboard store and you're gonna try out all the different keyboards and all the different switches and then i'm gonna get you your very own mechanical keyboard and it was this huge deal and i was never prouder than when he picked cherry blues I was like, you're my child. I'm so proud right now. But um, so uh, he was trying out a, a disco, which is um, an RGB keyboard. So it changes colors when you push the keys. Uh, but it only works when it's plugged into a computer, uh, the colors. And so they plugged it into the computer that they had running their security systems and like the That's good. Um, the checkout so they, they and never, stuff. They never met you before. Or right. Well, so like we're talking about his keyboard and he goes, uh-oh, look at that. He totally nuked their computer. Like the config file was, it was Windows XP. So I feel like that was like a public service, but he completely nuked their computer and I hope to God that they've gotten it back up. But I'm so embarrassed because I'm like, well, well, this better work because we can never show our faces there again. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I still have no earthly idea what he did. He was just pushing random key. My baby likes to reach for the keys on my keyboard. I don't usually let him type on them very much. Drool is bad for keyboards, too. Yeah, he drooled a lot. I don't know. I've had... Oh, 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 oh. Once I wrote a program that would just say the name of... It would just, it would just play a different wave file for every key on the keyboard, right? So you hit the P and it would go, P. <laughs> or like, whatever, right? It just recorded a bunch of different sounds. Um, it was super cute. Uh I don't know. Like it's it's this kind of thing. Like as a programmer, you make toys for your kids, and they like them for about twenty seconds, right? Which it, you know it, it takes you two, two and a half weeks to write that. Um, yeah, it's so funny. It's like that's the instinct that I feel like I don't quite have of the like the spend <laughs> twenty hours on this thing just because you can that somebody's only going to use for ten ten seconds. Um, and I guess maybe it makes me productive because I don't like spend a gajillion years yeah. yak shaving. <laughs> but I sometimes feel like the real programmers are the ones who like have that instinct and, you know, write crazy programs to, you know, automate their lives. So I think that and uh, I'm really lazy. I use that. So I have this kid that will not clean his room by himself if you're idle. Right. He wants you to help. Um so if you're sitting still and doing nothing or you're just like trying to direct because I really want him to learn how to do it on his own. How old is he? Ten. <laughs> old enough to know better. Um, but he just can't seem to manage it. And it, with every good intention, he'll go down to his room and then you go in hours later and it looks worse than when he started. And you're like, <laughs> Did I he don't... make a million piles? No, he doesn't even do that. I think he gets distracted by things. He'll like he'll be picking up, and yeah. then he's like, "Oh, this Lego's awesome! I got this whole set over here." And then the next thing you know, all the Legos are on the floor yeah. too. Um, yeah. So I kind of have to go down there and direct. But if I, I, I want him to do it for himself. Yeah. So I have to be busy. So I'm like, I'll say, "Well, I'll keep you company. I'll sit here on the couch." And watch you clean, which sounds horrible. Um, but unless I have, like, a viable thing that I'm working on, he is like, why are you watching YouTube while I'm cleaning? That's oh, right, horrible. Yeah. So uh, so the last time we were cleaning up his room like that, I wrote a program that you could put an interval in. And because he'll stop every five seconds, I'm like, that's cool. Clean your room. <laughs> um, like, he has to, like, be redirected every few seconds. And so, uh, so I made a program that would do it for me. Well, it's like sometimes I'll, that happens to me all the time where I like go to a room in my house to get a thing, but then I get distracted by something that I see (laughs) and then I forget why I went to the room in the first place. And, oh, uh, that's a thing. That's a doorway something. That's a, that's totally a thing. And it happens to me all the time or, you know, I'll go to the kitchen and forget what I went to the kitchen for. Or even, like, open a window in the computer and forget what I opened it for. I open the fridge, and I'm like, I don't know why I opened the fridge. I wasn't even hungry. I'm just looking in the refrigerator. Usually for answers. I have to follow up on this thing, and then we'll quit, all right? Yeah. So but you, said, you said, like, you feel like the real programmers are the ones that, that like, 
write completely useless programs. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it was you said, but it feels like so. I mean, I, I hate to say anything because that's that's totally me. I like I'm I'm very happy writing programs that are useless. Um, so am I. I I do it all the time, but I feel like the impulse to do it, like I I, I don't get the impulse to do it as much as some people I know do. That seems like a good thing, though. Right. Maybe. Maybe it means I don't get distracted as much. Well, it means you probably have, like, hobbies. and Yeah, right now my hobby is, like, my baby. Yeah. Right. It's like And, like, going to sleep early because I still, like, wake up to feed him, like, two or th- two, three times a night, you know. I remember those days. But I feel like everybody that programs is a real programmer, regardless of whether they're making... Stupid program. Oh, I totally (laughs) know that. It's just like every once in a while, the devil on my shoulder says, like, Jorindorf is like... You should be doing something worthless right now. (laughs) Jorindorf's writing a SQL engine. (laughs) Well, that's why I give presentations. Is like, so I have a motivation to do the weird random things that I think are interesting, but, like, otherwise get too distracted to do. Uh, Well, uh, the the talk you gave about the shell... uh, at Tennessee was like was glorious and useless and just wonderful in every way. I really enjoyed it. And and there's but th- I mean you know I, there is at least a little bit of truth in that like you know through that through that worthless exercise you know, like you really you get a chance to learn a lot about not only just the API into the kernel but also like yeah. what the kernel's doing inside and it, I don't it's know. crazy. It's like really it crazy really what cool. kernels do inside. I could devote a lifetime to figuring it out and then maybe I'd know more. We gotta do picks. Oh, right. Okay. So, do you know what picks are? I mean, the concept of picks, I do know. Okay, Okay, great. That's that's it. I finally have my pick for once. Yes. Ah, so this week, I actually tomorrow morning at six o'clock in the morning, um, I am going off to the Lesbians Who Tech Summit. Nice. Which is super cool. I've never gone before. Uh, It's like about two thousand people. Um, so I'm super stoked about that. I don't have a pick. You don't have <laughs> a pick. I didn't know I was supposed to have a pick. See, this is <laughs> usually my job. I always Arr. panic when it comes to picks because I'm like, <gasps> I don't know what to pick. Mardi Gras next Tuesday. That yeah, your pick. that's that's my pick. Mardi Gras. Maybe I should go writing useless programs for Lint. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I have all this time. Uh, I have another pick, which is Julia Evans's blog. Everybody should read it. If you read Julia Evans, she's keynoted at a bunch of conferences, and she does sort of, she's kind of the inspiration for the kinds of talks that I give. So if you liked my talk, you'll probably like her, um, her blog, her talks. Cool. We'll put it in the show notes. And then, so, so I'll, I'll, uh, my pick will be the morning paper, which you mentioned in your keynote, um, which I, I, has just been fascinating for me. Like, um, uh, this, there's a guy, I don't know what he does. Like, he must, be academic in some capacity. I but think it, he's not, but I don't know. It feels impossible that he's not spending 100% of his time on this because he reads dozens of papers every week, and he, every morning he has a blog post for you with a new like paper in some field related to computing. It's pre- they're pretty awesome. And he goes into de- into depth and summarizes like what the, what the findings were and then like, gives you a little bit of the background that you wouldn't yeah. have been able to read the paper without knowing. Um and so I never read the paper. I just like read his yeah. like, excellent summary. Every once in a while, I'll read the paper. If he, I, I read his summary, I'm like, oh my god, I need to read that paper. Yeah, I, but 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 right now the the way is I, I I'm always relieved when he goes on a run. He's like, oh, I'm really interested in Bitcoin for three days because I don't care about Bitcoin at all. And then I, I have this feeling that I'm going to be able to catch up with like <laughs> with all the papers that I've clicked on that I'm <laughs> never going to read. That are probably open <laughs> in some tab like, somewhere. It's just right. Yeah, I just leave it in a tab. For, <laughs> <laughs> instant no, um, paper. I I like instant paper pretty much everything. This podcast has been a production of Relationary Marketing, produced by Clark Buckner and funded by IBM API Connect. To get in contact with us, go to nashdevcast.com or nashdevcast on Twitter. Thanks for listening.